Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And uh, we're doing a little housekeeping this week because uh, we've got some cool stuff. I, I think uh, our next episode, I, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to ruin the surprise. So our next episode is going to be awesome because uh, we've got some uh, cool things we're going to be able to do for the first time in a long time. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, this week we wanted to bat a little cleanup and talk about some uh, emails and some questions and stuff that we get because it's really hard to delve deep into those questions and emails when we have a guest and and so uh, we like to set aside episodes just for listener comments and questions and emails and uh, chuck's collected quite a few and i've got a couple yep plus we got a listener dedication uh so so for those of you who uh enjoy hearing your questions read email is the best place for it by the way just so you know, um, DMs yeah. are cool, but they're hard hard to classify and find. And if we take a screenshot of them and all this other stuff that we try to do, it gets, but it gets lost in the phone. And then you're going through because sometimes we'll we'll take what a month maybe or a couple weeks or three weeks. But it but in all reality, if even if it's two weeks and you DM it, and I take a screenshot of it and it's in my camera roll. That might be two two hundred pictures yeah, that I later. have to go through. <laughs> And like, that's trying to find it is like a needle in a haystack. So if you just email us either to the mailbag, the booking, um, or to both CC, both of those, and you can Mm -hmm. find the emails and the link in the bio, I'll read it at the end of this. You'll have it email us there because I can start, it gets put into a separate folder. I can even, you know, I can do a lot of different things. I can even put it in folders with a DM. Can't really do that. Um, and then sometimes that you guys will send us, start sending stories to the DM and I'll stop you. And it's not that I'm trying to be a jerk or anything like that. I just, I want to tell you, Hey, go to booking. I'll give you the booking or I'll say you the link in the bio, just click it, copy and paste, whatever you've already yeah. said, throw it out there. It's just, it's just housekeeping for us. It's easier for us to track questions. You want to send us memes. You want to chat. You want to ask us something that you don't want read yeah. on the show. DM is easy, but you know, right. all those, all those ones where you guys are just like, Hey, this is just a shout out to say, I love the show. Or I, <laughs> we've gotten a couple uh, from last week's locker room or from this week's locker room uh, based on, you know, capital punishment in our discussion. There's some, I'll, I'll get into it on our next episode, but there was some uh, suggestions for ma- ways of <laughs> executing people that are pretty rad. There was some you know animal what? suggestions that I liked. <laughs> I was thinking the other night, you know, if, if, if states aren't going to, and this is, this is for uh, this log room, but if states yeah. aren't going to execute people, just make them eunuchs. Mm-hmm. So they can't procreate. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, there's so Dude, many ways like, to do it. You can, but that's old middle evil, uh, medieval, not middle evil, medieval punishment. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, you know, as far as that goes, we have the, the constitution that says no cruel or unusual punishment. Unfortunately, we didn't define cruel and unusual. Yeah. So like as our times change, we get, well, that's cruel. And I, a lot of times I'm going, is it though? It's not really. Yeah, I don't think so. It? Anyway, was that's cruel. cruel for, no, was, yeah, that's going to get a little bit graphic. So, so where do we want to start with our emails, Chuck? I know we have a good story because we, we always tell you guys, if you have a story about a relative or something, maybe they passed on and, and you just want to share their experience because you know the story, send them to us. Uh, and we'll try and read them. We've got we've got one of those. We've got we've got some questions. So I got a quick where do we one. want to jump in? Well, 
I got a quick one that is okay. it's outside of the three that I have. It's, it should mm-hmm. be pretty quick. And it was a gentleman who, who DM'd us and I spoke mm-hmm. with him and I gave him my two cents, but you weren't able to give him your two cents. Um, and this is regarding those who want to enlist in the military. Obviously mm-hmm. I swayed him to the Marine Corps, um, but that's just me because I'm biased, <laughs> right, but right. he wanted to serve his country, but he wanted to continue on with his job in schooling because schooling was very important to him because he didn't know yet know if he wanted to be an officer or enlisted. And I told him, if you are planning on serving your country, you can go into the reserves. You can get a great job. You can get your schooling while you're in the reserves. That way, when you're done with your schooling, you have four years enlisted. You're not a new boot. You know what's going on. You know how it's operating. Yes, it's reserves. But I know a lot of badass reserve Marines, uh, badass Army reserves, badass Navy, Naval reserves. I know a lot of really solid reserve military members that are just as hard as anyone else because they go through the same training and, and they, homie, they get, get called it. up. Yeah. And, and sometimes they get called up before active, but I've seen people get their four-year degree while they're doing that. And then they switch over, go to OCS officer candidate school, and then they become an officer. And that right there done, that is better uh, career um, yeah. survivability. You, you network better. You, you build a, a wider base of people you can call on and you have the respect of your peers, because if you decide this is a career, what path I want to go down, you've been enlisted for four years. You have the respect. And now yeah. you're an officer. If so you want what is your shake guns, play GI Joe, blow shit up, do your four years in infantry, have a good time, serve your country, and then move on to whatever your life's goals are. But if you're thinking about making that a career, then I would absolutely say get that college degree and go become an officer right. because the, the, you know, you spend 20 years as an officer in the military. And then by the time you're out, depending on you, you're talking your early forties, you can start a buddy of mine, uh, EOD. He didn't, he didn't end up being an officer, but he ended up being uh, one of the highest enlisted ranks you can possibly be in EOD spent 20, 20 and change in got out. Now he works for, a private company doing work with explosives and demolitions yep. and stuff. Like, I mean, it's, it's, Networking. if you really want to do it, it's, you know, one of the guys we interviewed, he was a, he's an officer in the Marine Corps. And now he is the head of weapons development for a major law enforcement yep. and military weapons contractor. So mm-hmm. it's, I think, you know, serving your country is amazing, but what's also amazing is you can get some really good uh, career and life experience that you can take into the private sector while you're, getting that military pension right. and, and oh like, go go for it no i was gonna say and you get the benefits of things like the gi bill you get the benefits yes. of things like uh you know I, one of the things that pissed me off buying a house was like oh man a va loan is so nice <laughs> oh dude this is so nice you don't have to put anything down <laughs> i know dude no down no closing like all the the only Another restriction is the house that the house better qualify under their guidelines but even if it doesn't qualify it's a shitty house if it's not qualifying because it's pretty standard shit what they they want in there yeah and if you don't really like oh it doesn't come with a fridge i'll put a fucking fridge in there oh you took they took the range i'll go and i'll put a range in if i really want this house like if it's that nice nothing pops on the inspection and you know i i lived in a house that uh i told all the all the veterans that came to look at it if if they were on a va loan i was renting it the guy wanted to sell to me but he wanted way too much and I would tell the veterans when they, am I on a Vallejo? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now, see all that. And he goes, yeah, I'm all that's unpermitted square footage. So I just need to tell you that right ahead of time. Cause when the VA comes in here to decide if they want to loan you the money for this house, the fact that that is all unpermitted square footage is going to be a big problem. So, you know, yeah. 
things like that. But unpermitted square footage is not common necessarily on a house. It it can happen and there's ways to fix it, but you know, yeah, I've I've had it before, but anyways, for this gentleman who wrote in, um, join reserves, go to the Marine Corps, go to Anglico. He was debating whether or not infantry or something. Anglico Ford observer. You get to learn that you get to get your jump wings. You get to do a lot of cool high speed shit and you're going to have a great time. You're going to have a blast. I personally know two people who went to Anglico and, um, We've had Anglico Marine on the show, and one of the oh. coolest stories was their Navy SEAL mission at the airport and, to steal all the liquor. And that's what I'm telling them. They get attached to special uh, warfare units, special forces, special warfare units, special yeah. operations capable. Yeah. You do so, cool shit. Yeah. So do that. Go get your four, fucking four-year degree. Become enlisted. It may take you five years to get your, your degree, but schools will work with you. They, mm-hmm. they, they do this all the time. People do this all the time. Go enlisted for four years, get your degree, come out, then decide if this is something I want to make a career on. Then you make a career out of it and yep. you go enlisted or not enlisted officer. Officer. The fucking respect and the amount of money will go up enlisted officer. And if you want to continue to do uh, or a uh, full-time officer, you know, if, if you want to continue doing reserves, you know, um, you, you can. Uh, or if you want to make it a career choice, make it a career choice and you make a lot more money as an officer than you do as an enlisted, you know, Joe Schmo corporal or lance corporal or sergeant or staff sergeant like they're gonna make way more money even as a butter bar so that's my advice that's tom's advice take it with what you will i know we talked in length about it uh, i just wanted you to hear it from our voices and not just written dms okay yep. so on to the next okay so i i'll take the next one then uh we yep. had a message sent to us from a listener and it was i i thought a, a good one to read we're gonna and and when you hear this and you, you'll know who you are, you asked us to redact your government issued name. Uh, so we will leave your government issued name out of this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll call you John Doe. Uh, but uh, we wanted to read his email um, and say, if you want to come on the show, uh, that's a whole separate email. Just email Chuck at booking.warstories at gmail.com. We'll give that again at the end of every episode like we do. But yes, uh, Hello there. My name is government name redacted. <laughs> uh, and these, my, my first stint was as a correctional officer. And it reminded me of the wild, wild West old school, like fifties to eighties style department of corrections methods were used. Asses were kicked. Bones were broken. Tons of OC deployments, old school cell extractions, tons of violent attacks, inmate on inmate, inmate on officer. I've, I've been, shit on uh fought assholes with homemade destructive weapons spears shanks knives i've saved people lots of people in fact some who didn't deserve it and some who did i've also watched hundreds of folks die held some of them while they took their last breaths and also gave some of them their last breaths and let me tell you something like from what i know i've never worked corrections but i know plenty of people in, in both the county system and the state system and in the federal system and they do some shit mm-hmm uh, but then he went to patrol he says patrol was a different animal, a whole completely different animal. I joined a local police department and was great until I came across some family problems that ended up in the end, uh, ending my patrol career. But it was like real wild west potential gunfights, buku dead people, tons of dope and dumbass crackhead stories. Also stories of children oh, who didn't so deserve. True. Yeah. Right. Uh, children who didn't deserve the hurt they received. That's a big one, man. Uh, children is what hurts the worst. Most disgusting case I worked was uh, it's 
started as a joke. Just after shift change, the dispatcher uh, and myself were drinking morning coffee and having some colaches, which is uh, jalapeno cheddar sausage wrapped in a crispy roll. Sounds delicious. Uh, the phone rings and said, yo, you should probably get that because there's crime afoot or some dumb shit like that. And so in the patrol room, there was a big glass window into the dispatch office. I'm watching the call unfold. Uh, and I watch her face rise in a smile and then laugh. And I'm like, what the fuck? I want to laugh, too. So she puts the phone on hold and walks into the patrol room laughing and said, is it illegal to catch your neighbor fucking catch your neighbor fucking the neighbor? I was like, technically, yes, but it's a civil issue, not a criminal issue. Almost. I, I almost said the dispatcher's why. name, <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> she tells me she's going to transfer uh, it to the patrol desk so I can explain the situation. Anyway, how I pick up the phone. Hey, this is the officer redacted. Don't worry, but it's the blank, blank police department. Uh, look, I know how frustrating the situation is, but there's nothing we can do about your husband fornicating with your neighbor. Ah, so it wasn't a neighbor fornicating with the neighbor. That was a typo. It was the husband fornicating with the neighbor. The Which, funny, funny thing in the military mm. is actually you can get in a lot of fucking trouble yeah. for cheating mm. on your spouse or cheating on someone else's spouse, even mm-hmm. if you're single. I know, friend of yeah. mine. <laughs> military code fun. of justice is different than regular law. He got dude maxed out. But anyways. So yes. it's, it's at this point, the lady on the phone explodes and says, you're telling me it's not illegal for my husband to be effing my neighbor, uh, my neighbor's 14 year old physically and mentally disabled child. Oh, <gasps> no, yeah. you mm-hmm. left that out to the bitter end. Yeah. yeah. So well, at this point, with the dispatcher is looking at me and I'm staring at her with laser beam eyes and I ask for the address and state that I will be there <laughs> shortly. Upon arrival, I observe a very large postured woman in the yard, absolutely distraught, which is understandable. I grab my body camp off the charge, snap it on my vest, and bam, the damn thing's dead. Fucking great, useless piece of shit. At that point, there's really nothing I can do until backup arrives with a camera. I, I which I, Wait, to what? me, that's not nah, fucking take action, bro. Yeah, you go. Fuck like, it. I, I don't care. Yeah. Fuck these cameras. Yeah, exactly. Um, absolutely. <laughs> Reserve Sergeant LaDouche, <laughs> I'm guessing that's not his real name either, <laughs> catches wind and rolls up, uh, goes 97 on scene within like four minutes. But within that four minute span, I step out and speak to the woman. Turns out to be the husband's cousin somehow. She stated that at about 2.30 in the morning. She, yeah. Is this Virginia? She heard, uh, somewhere in the South, must be. Uh, she heard sex noises coming from her nephew's room. Upon investigating, she found her cousin, a 57-year-old white male, um, in the position from behind, let's put it. He, he gets a little more graphic. Uh, with, a, with a 14-year-old autist, autistic grandson on his bed. That's so f- whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. She didn't know what to do, and she... I mean, yeah. What do you do? You walk into that. That's dead shock. Like with a baseball bat. Well, there's that. I would smoke check that dude. (laughs) But that was not a lot of people think that way. Boom. Not a lot of people think that way. Look at my son's t-ball bat. (laughs) You're mine. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to go to jail for protecting your disabled Down syndrome child or autistic child for from getting raped by a grown fifty year old some odd male fucking. Big old behemoth. Yeah. So this is where, I, again, she not only fell into shock, but she waited for three hours to call the police, uh, but called his wife first. 
she didn't call the police. She called the wife first, which is the wife that ends up calling the police. It looks like, oh my god. Uh, so as she was speaking, she then says that the last she heard, they were still in the house and it was still going on. Ooh. How that would be after three hours, so I don't know. And how gross. people don't actually do something about this themselves, like have you a just little let respect. your child get raped. I don't know. Uh, and so I Sergeant mean, Ladouche and myself that. lock and load, ready to clear the house. Ugh. We enter the house. Um, the 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 house had an odor, uh, and you could smell it as soon as you breached the door. Uh, what he says, you could smell what they were doing. He goes a little more graphic than that. Oh, this uh, is sad. Yeah, we get to the room and we could hear from outside the door. We ready ourselves and kick in the door. Um, now it's the fourteen-year-old boy who is the ag- aggressor, and he's not the receiver. Oh he's no, he's pitching <laughs> and not catching. And the 57-year-old uh, white male is the receiver. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but things. they were able to subdue the grandfather. He says, I won't get into... He'll get into details about what he saw when he walked into the room, but he won't oh, get into details about what they did to uh, the grandfather. But needless to say, I would, I would so imagine that he resisted arrest. And Of course. Any and all He's, necessary force that was needed um, within policy was, was used. Uh, and now he says, policy. now I'm older and I'm a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that call might make me want to get out of law enforcement permanently. Um, and he says, I live in the South. He says what state, but I will leave it out for OPSEC reasons. And uh, I wanted to email you guys because I don't really have anyone to tell my stories to, but I figured you all would listen. So, Wow. <clears throat> that's uh i mean dude like that's for us dude you gotta i don't get parents that would not be to ask like like that, my dude, first <sighs> protect your fucking child man dude blind protect rage. your child blind rage dude blind i rage. would fuck someone up if i catch a grown-ass man fucking my child I'm sorry for the language, but fucking my child in my house, you are fucking going to be hurt. I mean, I'm if I catch a grown ass man do, having sex with my child in any house, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you, know. you up. Now, if I'm wearing a badge and it's not my house and it's not my child, but you're, 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 you're violently raping this kid, I'm going to use any means necessary I need to do to apprehend you and to overcome your resistance and your force being used against that child because that child needs to be protected. It needs to be a, in, a, in a safe area. And what's happening is not fucking safe. And if it's, in, if it's my kid, oh, fuck me. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to fucking hurt you. I know Tom would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I know any fucking red-blooded American fucking type a male type a woman mm-hmm. would do the same they would go grab something and they would beat the fucking shit out of you because they need to protect their child papa bear mama bear that shit's coming out so i'm gonna tell you i because. have a little bit of a uh, personal experience in the sense that my wife as a four-year-old was she wasn't the victim of rape or anything but she was the victim of uh, a, a creepy pervy child molester doing you know lewd acts in front of children kind of a thing oh my god so sad and um this was a trusted member of their inner not family but kind of their close friends right right this was her husband and this was so basically it was like <gasps> this woman was babysitting 
mm-hmm. the kids and the husband was doing some pervy shit in front of them. And uh, I can tell you right now that the second my father-in-law, I've, this, I've been told this story by numerous people, my wife being the first one, my mother-in-law being the second one. Um, as soon as he found out, his shotgun was locked and loaded and his wife was standing in the doorway of their home saying, do not do this. Do not, you're going to go to, it's not worth, we'll go to the cops. So that instinct, I understand. Right. It's, it's the, I guess, you know, and watch. Yeah. It's, I don't know what to do. I'm in so much shock. I have no idea what to do. How can hit him. him. How how do you not know what to do? (sighs) Fucking with primal instincts, fucking hit him with something. Yeah, hit him with the TV. I don't know. This is why the the, the, fucking... the temporary insanity defense was invented. Like because you see something like that happen, the immediate concept of right and wrong goes out the window, and the only thing you know is this animal urge to destroy the object that's hurting your child. You know, my uh, my father in law again. He had a they had a cat, and cat jumped into my wife's crib when she was you know a baby she's eight months old nine months old or whatever and my father-in-law heard because my wife as a baby was screaming and he came in and saw the cat like attacking the baby oh, fuck that king fuck that cat up. and that cat was immediately snatched up and thrown out a three-story window and never i was came about back. to say throw him out the window <laughs> yep they lived on the third story apartment and the window was open and the cat went out the window and it was motherfucker land on your feet from 30 feet up go You're ahead nine lives. you got eight left Yep. Don't come back. So I understand that instinct. I just don't understand. And I'm not judging. No, I am. I, I'm, I'll reserve my judgment because, yes, I, I, I do have feelings about it and thoughts about it and everything. But I try not to to just like say, I, you don't know what people have gone through. You know what's crazy? But I don't Tom, understand it. I don't understand it either. But you know how common that behavior is? Ugh, and especially in our line of work. I have come across and heard stories far too often often of people witnessing and not doing anything and they call us and we're like yeah. okay we'll handle it we'll fix it but more often than not the deed is done by the time we get there yeah. and what will we have to pick up now now this kid is, is 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 messed up for the rest of their life gonna have to go through therapy because they were sexually assaulted or raped and in some cases it's you know the, the child is at sexual maturity and they're kind of it, complicit in the action but that's when they're like almost 18 but that's at that time. and, and but, they're also being manipulated you know yeah like, they're being they're brainwashed it's fucked up it's in uh, it's called grooming we're going to talk about that a locker yeah. room and they've they're still going to be fucked up for the rest of their life mm-hmm. but if you were to take action when the deed is you catching it oh what the fuck you don't close the door kick that motherfucker grab the grab a remote smack that dude in the head you know do whatever you got to do to protect your child your children I don't, I don't fucking know, but it, I think it's crazy. And I would like to put this out there. If if you guys don't want to come on the show or gals don't want to come on the show because of op- operational security uh, purposes, but you want to send us your story, we will read mm-hmm. your stories on here just like that. We'll redact everything, Jane Doe, John Doe, mm-hmm. whatever, because these stories need to get out there for the for for public and other people to hear because this stuff is far too common to come across. And it it's so sad. And these things people need to know like about this stuff because uh-huh. I, I, when you take your child, especially I have three, three young children well, and another one on the way and two. Yeah. And I got another one on the way and babysitters are like the worst thing for me 
to have to interview and do stuff like that because I have always in the back of my head, my son, perfect story, my son was at a daycare and they were law enforcement friendly, whatever. And it was a female whose name was on the, the whole daycare bullshit. And I go to pick up my child during my divorce from this person. And a fucking man comes to the door because it's at their home. And I'm like, mm, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Immediately, I go to that dark space. I'm like, okay. Yeah, red flags. I, I, red flags are popping up because I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with a grown man taking care of children, changing their Dude. diapers. I feel more comfortable with a female who, because they have a more nurturing, gentle side. I don't want. They a man, don't have. They I, tend I, not to have predatory personalities. Exactly. Like, it's not. Hey, there's plenty of guys. There's plenty of guys. I was I babysat when I was a teenage boy, but I, I understood parents that didn't like yeah. that. But the people that I babysat for were like neighbors and friends from church and stuff like that. And I would say <sighs> that if if you know the kid, you know the family. But even my 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 wife, um, we had some some relatives over visiting, and uh, they had a a, a little, a young girl. She was probably seven or eight or nine years old or whatever. And she wanted to go up and play with the Legos and video games and shit in my son's room. And my son's 17. And my wife said, make sure he leaves the door open. And it's not that my wife thinks my son's going to do something inappropriate, but there isn't any reason for a 17 year old boy and a 10 year old girl or eight year old girl to be in a room together with the door shut. It, 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 it prevents uh, it prevents anything from happening accidentally or or from it being stupid, you know, stupid kid shit, but it also prevents him from being falsely accused. Like there's exactly. there's so many different things. My daughter knew if she had a friend over of the opposite sex, whether she was dating him or not, and they went up to their room, door had to stay open, period, end of story. Right. Exactly. Here at the end. So, you know, <clears throat> there's you don't have a right to privacy in my house, in my house. Like every mm-hmm. door is mine. I could take it off the hinges if I want. Yeah. And so. we are far too like not far gone, but like we see the dark side of humanity far too mm-hmm. often and more common than anybody else's right. job. Like we we talked about the guy talked about death, how much death he saw on patrol. And I got asked that question, how many dead bodies have you seen? I was like, Well, well like, this week or <laughs> right. in my lifetime of my career. And she's like, Wait, wait, wait. I didn't know you had two different answers. I'm like, Oh, there's two different answers. Like just just this week, probably like eight. Lifetime, I stopped counting. It's it's just so we come in contact with the dark side of humanity far too often. So our minds constantly go there. But it's also a good thing because we're hyper hypersensitive to certain situations and we can catch things earlier. And I major red flags when a 50 or some odd man came to the door and that's his sole job is watching children. Now, oh, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Dude. Immediately, my child was in a different daycare. I was like, I'm done with this. No, fuck no. Not going to happen because I don't want to be put in that position to come back and get into a fight have to possibly deal with you know legal ramifications and, and for protecting my child I, I didn't want anything to do with it found a new fucking daycare end of story we're done and it was a female ran thing even though her husband was there he was a teacher i met him did an interview and the rest of the women and other helpers and who were there were all those were people dealing with the kids the man would come in and deal with his own son and his own children but would leave the babysitting and nurturing to the women and i was completely okay with that i I, call me old-fashioned whatever i just i want to make sure my children are safe i've seen it far too often that it goes wrong i do have another i have a question and well before we jump to that question i want to tag up and say uh, if you think that it's just strangers and this is where being a cop 
you know, you learn the dark side. I've got, I've got a cop that I worked with and my wife has a, a best friend that she grew up with. Both of those instances, it was not a stranger. It was not a babysitter. The the family had gotten divorced. The, 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 the cop had split up from his wife in my instance. And the, uh, the husband of my wife's best friend had had an had a child with a previous relationship before he was with my, my wife's best friend. In both cases, little girls were produced as a result. Um, and in both cases, the, in, in the cop's case that I worked with, his wife married a guy and turns out that that guy started molesting his daughter. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The husband of his ex-wife started, his, his ex-wife's new husband started molesting his daughter. Then, uh, you know, you've got my wife's best friend, her husband who had a child from a previous relationship, uh, his ex's new husband, uh, or fiance, uh, beat her to death. <gasps> oh my yeah. God. I mean, Jesus Christ. so it's not like if, if I had divorced, if my wife and I had gotten divorced, like we would have had serious like discussions about background checks of every single fucking dude that she wanted to bring around my children. Oh, and I'm if I didn't approve, right I, I would have sued for custody, you know, and, and I would have been, I, I would have, I would have pursued it as long as I possibly could. Thank God you don't have to deal with that. Cause I deal with that shit now. Yeah. I'm constantly like, I hope my daughter's, she's almost 13. So she would say something for sure. I think, um, hope. and my son is old enough to be like, uh, this is, it's weird. Um, but I constantly, that's in the back of my head, like my ex-wife, like I'm like constantly thinking, what dude does she bring around? Cause yeah. she brings a lot of, there's been a lot of guys brought into, into out of my children's lives. And I'm like, uh, this guy better be fucking legit. He better not touch my children. Cause if he does, we're going to have a fucking problem. Yep. And <laughs> I'm going to be all of your worries because mm-hmm. you, I, I can't, I need to protect my kids and. I'm not saying that I'm not gonna not gonna be nice to someone, but I, I, I like a dick to someone. But if you give me a reason to, I'm not gonna trust you. And I'm gonna teach you uh, real quick lessons and don't touch my fucking kids. Don't speak to my kids that way. You're not their fucking daddy. I am, and you're about to yeah. meet it. So I constantly deal with that, and it's the worst thing in the world to have to think like that and to have to be put in the position to where you're constantly worrying about your children. And it's it's and I think every father who has kids. And it from another relationship where that uh, their ex is is dating someone and they bring their kids around their new boyfriend, whatever fiance, because there's been so many instances in my career and things that I've seen and heard online of, you know, a new guy gets brought into this, this female's life, her baby daddy's out of the picture or has visitation and new boy, boy toy or boyfriend or fiance or who the fuck he is ends up raping their child, kills their mm-hmm. child, and then turns a gun on himself and kills himself. Yeah. That's horrible. Like, and it's the dark sense of humanity again that we see constantly that puts us in these these what if scenarios. But we need to be ready for it. And it's it's fucked up. It's horrible, and it sucks to deal with. But well, that was fun. What's the yeah? <laughs> let's let's go to a, so, a, a different email. <laughs> so I'm I'm not gonna, I can't pronounce the, the name. It starts with an N, and last starts with an I. I, I can't pronounce it. I don't want to butcher it, so I'm not going to say it. So we'll just say Mr. N sent this in. And he goes, I would like to get your guys' take on U.S. citizens feeling the need to go support Ukraine. I assume that's going over there to fight. Um, I don't necessarily think that's to to send money because that's, I mean, everybody's doing it. You go to like any store, they're 
hey, we you like Vons. You would like to give, you know, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars to support people in Ukraine and refugees. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about people going over to Ukraine who are U.S. citizens and feeling the need to go and fight for Ukraine during the Russia conflict in Ukraine, that Russian war inside yeah. of Ukraine. I'll give my two cents on it. For me personally, I think what's going on over there is really fucked up. I think I think uh, Russia is is a little bit um, overzealous and they want to create the USSR all over again and get the band back together like we've talked about on previous episodes. But for me personally, I'm not going to leave my children and my kids to go to another country to fight. Um, even I have Ukrainian blood. Uh, says 23andMe, and so does Ancestry. I have strong ties to Poland and Ukraine and a high percentage. And um, I still would not leave my children to go over there because I want to be ready for if anything comes over here or we get involved in the conflict because of what's going on and our weak president. Mm-hmm. And that's my personal belief that I, I feel a little bit uneasy. However, if you feel the need and you want to go and you want to go and support Ukraine and their efforts and, you know, join um, like a privatized military, um, like it used to be like Blackwater yeah, and things like that. And, and things like that going over there and whatever the new names are. And we used con- to call them contractor, mercenaries. Right. And be a contractor, better word, contractor, and go over there and you get with a group. Nah, fucking contractors build houses, mercenaries go kill motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> the blue call. I'd, I'd fuck but, that. If you want to do that, more power to you. I think that you are a badass if you do. Um, for me personally, my my stake is in the United States and with my children and my family, and I'm going to protect those over all else. Um, I think what's going on is, again, horrible. However, uh, if you decide to go over there, I think that's awesome. I think if you want to yeah. go over there and you want to you want to help people and you want to go over there and fight, you probably it's, it's probably a one-way ticket. Um just because of based on tactics training, the people you're with it may not be up to par as regular military. I don't know, unless you're with a badass contracting group, mercenary, um, and they have their shit wired tight and you guys train and stuff like that to deal with that stuff. No, just go over there and join their, their, like what Ukraine has there. Basically, you don't have to work for a private military company. You can go in there and they'll take you on as a foreign, uh, you know, a foreign service member where you just, you, they, deputize you and say go ahead and fight for us and i I don't have a problem with that either it's about priorities right my priorities right now are taking care of my family because i have responsibilities here and i've said publicly if i didn't have responsibilities here i would seriously consider going over there right i know there's nothing wrong with that who he had spent years on the swat team and years as a sniper and when when shit kicked off in iraq and they needed they were looking for cops to go over there and spend a year over there you know, doing private military contracting work. He took a leave of absence from the sheriff's department and he went over there and he says, he said straight up, I'm going over there to, to, you know, dig a couple of notches onto my gun belt, you know? However, that is a slightly bit different because that is a U.S. conflict in a different country. And this well, is not I, know, a US I, I, I get it. I'm just talking about people who decide to leave exactly yeah. what they have going on here to go somewhere else. Um, I, I kind of view it the same way. You have to you have to prioritize what you, what is important in your life. And if you have the bandwidth and you have the room and you have the heart for it, then absolutely go over there and do it. Because the right thing to do is the right thing to do, no matter what country it's happening in. If if exactly. innocent women, children are being killed in Ukraine, and you have the ability 
and the skill set to go help in the fight to prevent the deaths uh, or dismemberments or suffering of innocent women and children. Right. And you have a heart for it. Go do it. Absolutely. Go do it. I don't care where you're from. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. You know, my priorities are a little different. You know, I'm one, I'm fucking injured. And two, like I oh, have yeah. priorities with my family and things like that. So for me, I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to be, you know, going over there on a one-way ticket to to go and, you know, and, and fight. But at the same token, we we think that there's a, a good thing if you go over there and we, we, we're going to hail you as heroes because you're going over to protect someone who's being bullied and been taken, taken on and taken advantage of. And, you know, there's a lot of propaganda going on on both sides, but at the same token, that's war. I, I think that's what happens. It's war. It's, it's constant, but you think the Trojan horse went down like that? You think Helen of Troy really, no. I mean, propaganda, no. the storytelling, you know, after the fact no. propaganda, please, you know, it's just a way of life really, but yeah. more power to you. If you want to go yeah. and do it, go for it. I hope that answered your question. Um, I, I think it's if you want to go and do it, you're badass. And if you want to stay home, that that's, that's okay. And you want to take care of the people that you, you have priorities for That's fine too. But I, I think that uh, if you want to donate money as well, I think that's a great thing. I have donated money. Um, every time I go to Vons, I donate money. Um, you know, now, should we officially a as a government take action? No. 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 There's a, the, no. I've now become more isolationist. Um, and in my opinion, we need to worry about the countries that are doing us harm financially and the countries that are bordering us that are doing us harm uh, with, right. you know, it, it, oh, well, anyway, border we countries. Take care of our and, own veterans. Yeah, exactly. We we're on the fucking streets. We like, we're on. sending. We, we you know we're sending <laughs> how much aid and money to Ukraine right now, and we can't even. Eh, anyway, don't get me started on that. Okay, what do we have next? Um, so another one, <clears throat> and we kind of already, or you kind of already spoke to him. I think I I did as well. well I don't know. Um. Guy, a guy writes in, I was wondering if you guys have any tips for asking fire departments for sponsorships to fire academies. I feel kind of weird just shooting off an email that basically says, hi, my name is so-and-so want to pay for my school. And I think he Agreed. was going in for a volunteer firefighting mm-hmm. position. Um, yeah, I don't think that you should send off an email. Hey, I would like to you know, do that. I think it'd be more of like an in-person. I would love to be a volunteer firefighter. I do not have the funds to put myself through a school. Is there any programs that uh, would assist me of going through the fire academy so that I could be a volunteer firefighter for you guys, maybe assign some contract because I know going through um, like say volunteer police academies, if if you get selected and picked and stuff like that, I think there are some funds that you pay, but a lot of the times they help out a lot. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question to ask an agency that you want to work for. Mm -hmm. If there's any programs that can assist you again, be careful with your wordage not, Hey, you want to pay for my schooling to go to the fire Academy? No. Like, is there any programs to assist me to go through this? Cause I really want to be a volunteer firefighter to get onto the firefighting, uh, of the fire department as a full-time paid position. And if you just want to do it as a volunteer, I mean, I still think it's a good, um, conversation to be had in person and schedule that. And to ask what forms of aid or help can I get to go through this, to be able to be a volunteer firefighter for your agency. Now, if you're going to be a, a full-time firefighter, most agencies don't put you, don't make you put yourself through it. You, right. you go through a rigorous amount of testing, and then they once they want to hire you, then they put you through. If it depends agency, on the agency, if you don't yeah. exactly, and if you don't want to wait for that, you want to put yourself through. I don't see any agency paying for you. 
I think that's a personal decision you have to make, just like many people put themselves through the police academy because they want to be hired, but not many it makes you a more attractive candidate because yeah. you've already put the time into the training. Um, but I, I'll tell you that uh, MicroWorks um, is the program for blue collar, dirty jobs type scholarships. And, you know, you go on there, it's approved programs are automotive, aviation, carpet. By the way, I looked into aviation. It, it excluded pilots. So just for those of you who are like, oh, you guys, should, you know, I already looked into it. Uh, commercial truck driving, con- construction, diesel, but emergency medical services and fire science and technical uh, skills. So it's entirely possible that if you want to go to the fire academy or if you want to go to EMT or paramedic training, that you can contact the MicroWorks Foundation. But um, as I said in the the message to that listener, you know, first things first, you go to the you go to the local fire department and you talk to them about that you want to serve the community, not that you want to get your fire school paid for. Getting the fire school, getting the fire right. academy paid for, is a benefit of you stepping up to want to serve your community. So make sure you present it in the proper, you know context granted you know yes oh i want i want to serve my community but i can't pay for fire academy can you pay for my fire academy is the gist of it but we don't present it like that you present it like i would like to serve my community what steps do i need to take so that i can you know work with you guys and serve and a lot of those departments you know they they say hey you volunteer with us we'll put you through you know training locally we'll get you know we'll have you work with our guys we'll have you do what you're allowed to do and if you prove yourself that way then we'll talk about sending you to the fire academy because that's that's exactly the thing. You don't want to invest all this time and money and training into somebody to have them discover if they want to be a firefighter, right? Right. That's that's just not how this works. You know, uh, typically, I think I'll give LA Fire as an example. Um, LA Fire has when they hold their testing, they have thirty thousand applicants for three hundred jobs. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a huge ratio to overcome. Well, if you've already gone to college and gotten your degree in fire science, or if you're in college getting your degree in fire science and you're working for an ambulance company as a paramedic, and if you're already doing those things that show you are dedicated to this calling, then you're going to look a lot more attractive than some guy who's like, eh, the benefits are good and I want to be able to sleep get paid for it <laughs> you know what's funny is that la city fire and i've heard this from a few other firefighters on la city that because of nepotism and cronyism they basically threw out all of the you don't need any prerequisites only thing you need to do is be able to complete your emt by the end of graduation or have it already but if you don't have it and you're a barista at, at starbucks and you want to be a firefighter and you apply you will have the same opportunity as someone who went and got their degree in fire science mm-hmm. because they wanted to bridge the gap of, well, only a select few can become firefighters. And, you know, there's nepotism and there's cronyism and all this other stuff. And while I believe nepotism and cronyism are alive and very well mm-hmm. on many, many industries and many companies and many departments, um, I, it's still, it's still, yeah, it still behooves you to go out, become an EMT, something you don't have to do in the academy, become a paramedic. You want to be a medic and you start working. It tells you, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life and the rest of my career? You know, I spent a year or two getting my medic um, 
certification. And then I go work for like out here, it's AMR or any other agency that, that um, does, you know, high um, volume of calls for this. It allows you to see, is this something I want to do? And if you're like, yes, this is the calling I want to, you start applying to different agencies and things like that. And yeah, you might have to put yourself through a little bit of schooling, like to become a medic or an EMT. Um, But most agencies aren't going to put you through EMT school. And that's just a big agency that decided to change a lot of their rules. But most agencies want you to be an EMT, want you to be a paramedic, want you to have some sort of understanding of fire science because there is science behind a fire. And if you already Mm -hmm. have that, you have a leg up on other people who I just want to do it. And I decided this would be a good job, good pay, good benefits. And if you come in, you're like, this is something I want to do. I've been working so many years doing this. Uh, I went to schooling and got this. You're a much stronger candidate. Yeah. Be serious about it. It's the same thing with like background investigations. When you have, um, you know, somebody that, that says, uh, you know, Oh, you know, during the background, they say, do you, do you, did you smoke pot in high school? Yes. Well, okay. Do you smoke pot now? No. Okay. When did you stop? When did you stop? Oh, when I decided to become a cop. No, that's (laughs) not, (laughs) it's not, that's not how that works. (laughs) Right. Like they don't want people who decide to do the right thing. Once they make a decision to get into the profession, it's like, well, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to screw up and and be an awful person and a sinner. And then right before I die, I'm going to get right with the Lord and go to heaven. (laughs) You know, that's not the mentality you should be having going into law enforcement or firefighting. And it's also not what they, they, they specifically look to exclude people that do that kind of shit. So, yeah. you know, don't, don't be that guy. I hope that answers your question. Right. All right. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do we have, uh, do we have any more? We have a story. Okay. Um, I believe it's from world war two. Yeah. And this one's, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, Itawah County spoke about this man because he was a in Alabama, um, and it came from a listener. It was, I think, his great grandfather or grandfather. Um, basically, this country boy was one of the first people to shoot down a plane, I believe, with a rifle. And we'll get into it real quick. Um, Brock Hill, and this is the name of the gentleman who did it. Uh, was born 29 September 1895 to Walter and uh, Dicey Brock Hill. His early life endeavors were that of quintessential of a country boy with a love of his rifle and squirrel hunting. Now I got to say, if you're a squirrel hunting and, and this is how you grew up and then you shoot down a fucking plane, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, when he was 22 years old. Spoiler alert. Joined, right. He joined the 4th Alabama Infantry, Alabama National Guard. On 1 July 1917, he was appointed a, a bolger in Company F, 4th Alabama Infantry. He served at the Mexican border. However, on 5 August 1917, he and many others were drafted for active duty and overseas service in France. He found himself at a mobilization camp in Montgomery. Once the 4th Alabama's mobilization training was complete, the unit was redesigned Mm -hmm. uh, the 167th Infantry Regiment and was assigned to the 42nd Rainbow Division. 
the 42nd. That means a whole different thing now. Right. Completing mobilization (laughs) training. (laughs) Totally different. (laughs) These are some badass motherfuckers. Yeah. Rainbow division. This is not that rainbow division. Uh, Completed training at Camp Mills in New York. After some time at Camp Mills, he and F Company, 167th Infantry Regiment, sailed to France aboard the transportation ship. Adonia on 6 November 1917, landing in the drizzling rain in St. Nazar, France on 31 October 1917. On the 15th of February 1918, the 167th boarded trains for the Loonville sector and supposedly is supposedly a quiet sector near Lorraine. Here, Brock Hill and his unit started the battle post haste. Um, the sector was held by the French before their arrival and was so quiet that the Germans would come out into the open and dip up water to wash their clothing and uniforms. It was on such an occasion that Brock Hill and his comrades opened fire on the Germans, wounding several. Their actions made their France instructor and the Germans irate. Uh, The next morning at 0400, the Germans laid down a barrage and rushed the trenches, expecting to defeat the raw American troops. But the Americans not only held their own, but beat back the enemy, their first battle and first victory. On the morning of May 12th, Brock Hill and his comrades started another battle by several members crawling out in front of the German dugout. Battle ensuing, the Germans rushed out in numbers and captured one of the Americans from the safety of their trenches. They organized a rescue party. They were able to successfully recover their comrade, killing several German soldiers in the process. Jesus on July 14th in chalk Hills of campaign or champagne Brock Hill and his unit were engaged in hand-to-hand combat. Holy shit. By sunup on the 15th, they were still holding their trenches, but the Germans were still coming fast and the bodies were piling up in heaps. By 11 o'clock, the sky was black and with German planes. The pilots were swooping low and showering the American infantry with, uh, in the trenches with lead, with bullets. Even mm-hmm. stretcher uh, bears along the roads and fields were attacked. Brock Hill was standing next to Captain Frederick Wyatt in the bottom of the trench when a German uh, Fuker or Fulker, swooped down and began peppering the men with machine gun bullets. He swooped low over a machine gun nest directly in front of Hill's trench. He then circled again, coming lower. The pilot hung his head out the side of the plane and looked down. At this precise moment, Captain Wyatt yelled to Brock Hill, get him. Brock Hill jumped to the firing step and opened fire with his Springfield rifle, which I currently have in my safe. Mm. Not his, but another Springfield from right. that era. Those One, are two, badass. three shots rang out in rapid succession. The plane wavered and side to side flipped over the trench where it fell. History was made. Later examination of the downed pilot found that he was struck right between the eyes. Oh, this dude's a G. Mm-hmm. You could never get Brock Hill to tell you about that. Brock Hill was awarded uh, the Croxty Greer. I butchered that. By the French government for downing the airplane. That's a big-ass medal. Yeah. Um, only two airplanes were recorded being shot down by rifle fire during World War I. Okay, I'm sorry. It was not World War II. It was World War I. Brock Hill's feet was the first. Brock Hill's army career was all but ended on 28 July 1918 when he was struck by an enemy machine gun bullet while crossing over Quirk River under fire. I mean, this guy was a badass, and it goes on to tell uh, more and more the message received by his family on 4th December 1918 was that he had been returned to Ellis Island, New York, 
to recover from his wounds. He was honorably discharged. Oh, he survived. Um, on 13th March, 1919, with his 25% disability. Jesus. He returned to Duck Springs area and continued his boyhood passion. That's why he was so squirrels. good at shooting shit in the air. Yeah. Duck Springs. Duck Springs. But he continued back and continued to hunt squirrels. Yeah. He didn't, however, return to shooting down airplanes. This man was a G. You know, now before uh, you give us any of the bullshit about well, the cockpits were open and the planes flew slower and they were made out of wooden canvas in World War One, I. I don't care. Try taking a spring what the Springfield 1903, yeah, and shooting a deer, down a, a mule deer rifle, yeah, shoot <laughs> down a moving plane at what height? I don't know, but not not by hitting the engine, which is a big you know big target. And you could hit the engine and knock out, you know, things. And the pilot could try and glide. No, shot the fucking pilot in the head, square between the eyes. That Jesus. with three shots. Yeah, that's a G with rapid succession fire on yeah. a bolt action. Like, yeah, boom, he d- used the first boom. two to dial it in, and by the third one, he nailed the dude. And and so, good. That's freaking. That's awesome. And you think Lee Harvey wow. Oswald couldn't have shot JFK from the book depository? with three rounds yeah he could have he absolutely could have he was a marine mm-hmm. and he, he had a scoped rifle yeah so anyway pretty sure this uh springfield was not scoped it was iron right. sights right and and if he could do that he, <laughs> he was taking machine gun fire from an right. airplane a german plane and was right. able to accurately place a shot one precise shot out of three which is crazy on a moving mm-hmm. airplane coming at you that is I mean, intense. So we wanted to read that because we got that story and we've been saving it. We said we would read it, but uh, we wanted to do an email episode. So uh, we wanted to make sure we, we got that out there. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, we have, we, we get your questions. We, we try to answer them. You know, some of you are like, no, I just have a quick question and we answer it. There's like DMS and stuff like that. Um, and then other times you'll send us emails. We'll, like, hey, you want us to read this on the show? You want us to answer this on the show? Sometimes we do both. Um, for right. example, the the firefighting, pay for the fire academy. We answered them a little bit, and then we did some research, like the micro works research I did, and stuff like that. So you guys can always send us your emails, send us your stories. Um, to uh, if it, if it's just an email, you can send it to both of us, or you can send it to me, and I'll forward it to Chuck. If it's you want to come on the show, obviously it's booking.workstories at gmail.com. Period. End of story. Yeah. So always do that. Yeah. But we have um, uh, we have a couple dedications for this episode that were sent in sent by email. And since this is our email episode, we figured we'd do our email dedications for this episode. Um, don't worry but, for the guy who sent in an email for a dedication that is still coming on our next episode. Yes. Um, and uh, I believe this is for the August 28th one. And we have not forgot about you. I have it saved. We have already yep. spoken about it. It's going to happen. Yeah. That's a separate one. These are just yeah. ones where they asked us to to read these. So uh, the first one is uh, from a friend of uh, this officer. And I wanted to, this just happens way too often. I, I, I still consider this a line of duty death. Um, it says, hey, guys, I got news today at lunch that my best friend killed himself last night. He's been dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder from an officer-involved shooting. Happened when he was with a uh, Louisiana police department. He recently got a new job with a different parish sheriff's office. Not sure what his badge number was there, but it would mean the world to me if he got a dedication. 
his name was John Bolgiano or Bolliano. Uh, he's been struggling with the officer involved shooting where he and the SWAT team engaged a fleeing suspect that drew a gun on them and they engaged. He's been relying heavily on alcohol for the past year and a half to cope. Him and his girlfriend got in a really bad fight Wednesday night and he walked out of the house and just decided to end it. I only got the details yesterday. Uh, no one in my friend circle believed what happens and, and believed what had happened until we heard it straight from his girlfriend. It's a great reminder that it's okay to not be okay. You just need to reach out to those that give a shit about you. He's come to me in the past when he was struggling. I guess the impulse just got him before he had time to think. Uh, thanks for listening to my bullshit. And sorry for any spelling errors because I've been using Jameson to cope with my part of the problem. And uh, we're going to put him in the ground soon. Um, so I, I know that's already happened um, with this with this young man, but we want to include him on this dedication because first of all, if you're struggling with that kind of stuff, we'd say it all the time, reach out. This yeah. job is awful. It's, it's incredibly rewarding, but it's also very awful mm -hmm. and it hurts. It hurts physically. Cause like we talked about, you're going to have, you're going to have stomach issues. You're going to have back issues. You're going to have shoulder issues. You're going to have anywhere you're anywhere where two bones meet. You're going to have a problem. Yeah. I've got arthritis in my, uh, in my hands that's starting up, um, in my, uh, ring and pinky fingers and my knuckles where my, my fingers attached to my hand, uh, from years of defensive tactics training, hitting the heavy bag, hitting suspects. Like it just, you get in those kinds of bare knuckles altercations. Um, the trauma is going to cause early onset of arthritis, uh, running, elbowing, falling. Getting into fights, those are all going to come jumping problems. over walls, jumping over walls, sitting in the car, wearing the wearing your gear. You know, I got sciatic problems that are never going to go away, you know, and without surgery. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's you're just going to this, this job is physically and emotionally demanding. Know that. Know that you're not alone. Know that everybody else is fucked up, too. <laughs> and there's always a better solution. Do not choose a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I know you you guys all, it, it always feels like it's permanent. It feels like it would be so much easier if I just wasn't here. But yeah. all you're doing is taking your pain and giving it to everybody else. So I, I, I honestly, I know what happens. I, I know people succumb to it, but it's it's something that is preventable and avoidable because you're in control. Reach yeah. out. <clears throat> Damn straight. And then our second dedication uh, is a request from a listener. Uh, it's in regards to a Pierce County Sheriff's deputy. Uh, one of two Pierce County Sheriff's deputies who was sh shot and wounded during a shootout with a suspect has died. Deputy Dom Collada, 35, died at St. Joseph Medical Center in Tacoma, Washington. He had been with the Sheriff's Department for six and a half years and was, si was signed patrol, assigned to patrol with the Edgewood Police Department. He was an Army veteran and had served in the National Guard for seven years. He leaves behind a wife and young son. Deputy Collada and Sergeant Rich Scanliff were wounded when members of the Pierce County SWAT team went in to arrest an assault suspect in a mobile home park near Spanaway. 
The 40-year-old assault suspect was killed when gunfire erupted during a SWAT operation. The suspect was pronounced dead at the scene, which police had denounced from a mobile command center that was set up near the location. The suspect had been sought on a warrant for second-degree assault. Uh, the South Sound Gang Task Force found him Tuesday morning and informed uh, the Sheriff's Department who got the SWAT team to make the arrest. So we wanted to dedicate this episode to uh, those two officers who, one, tragically took his own life as a result of a shooting in the line of duty, and the other lost his life to a shooting in the line of duty. Yeah. So rest easy, brothers. We got it from here. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty, pretty bleak and pretty rough. And just if you guys are dealing with stuff, there are people out there that you can reach out to. If you feel like you can't, you can always reach out to us here. I'll spend time talking with you. Tom will spend time talking with you. If you need resources, I'll figure it out. Tom will figure it out. We've had people on the show. We have resources available. We can get them for you. Even if it takes us a day or two to get it, we can get them. And if you need, just need someone to talk to you, I would rather spend a couple hours or an hour or 30 minutes talking with you than you taking your own life or thinking about it. I mean, yeah, I would much rather have spent tough? time talking to, to, to officer Bongiano about mm -hmm. what was wrong with him than read that dedication to him. Yeah. Agreed. So, um, we we're but I, I hate ending episodes with having to talk about this. I hate having to talk about this because it, it it's it happens all too often. But we will never stop talking about it until we don't have to. So right. as much as we don't like dealing with it, that you don't like dealing with it, that's part of the job. Well, it's also part of the podcast. We understand that this shit happens and and this this is out there, and we're going to make you guys aware of it. Those to those of you who listen to this show that are working the road, that are that are on the job, they're fighting fires, that are you know crushing crime and suppressing evil. We know that this is going to affect you. And if maybe one day you've been listening to this show for years and you've been like, yeah, it's fine, it won't happen to me, and then all of a sudden it does happen to you, mm -hmm. maybe this show has helped hammer it into your mind that you're not alone. And if, right. if we can prevent even one dedication from having to be read, whether it's through stories that make officers aware, and they're like, oh, shit, I remember they talked about this on War Stories, and I'm going to take a different approach, and I'm going to use different tactics, and boom, it saves your life. If it changes your mindset, if it keeps you safe, then, then, it, then it makes it all worth it for us. But also, if hearing this kind of stuff gives you a better understanding and makes you feel like you're not alone, then again, it was still worth it. So. As much as we don't enjoy talking about that part of it, we will keep talking about it until we don't have to. Right. Uh, thank you guys all for listening today. We really appreciate it. Um, if you like today's podcast, please go and follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories, underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us and share our posts and our info, you can also go to the link in our bio on both Instagram and Facebook to reach mm -hmm. all of our socials our media and our website. Our podcast is on all major podcast streaming platforms as well yep. as on our YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to our website and that's www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some gear. We still have some Wobby hoodies, some shirts, patches, and stickers left. We'll be doing some spring and summer gear as well. And we'll call it our spring and summer collection. Um, <laughs> if you want, although you want our spring collection would still have to be snow ready because it's, it's April and it snowed this morning. Exactly. Get some movies. Um, 
If you want to be featured on our show and think you have a story or want to share your story, even if it's just an email, you want to just get it out there. You want to come on the show, but you want to get it out there. We'll read it. Uh, go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your story and I can get you booked. We are looking for law enforcement, corrections, dispatchers, fire, medics, and veterans. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us and give them our booking email. Again, thank you for your support and stay safe. Also, if you've already emailed us regarding to come on the show, we have not forgot about you. We are just trying to plan out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll so get to you. We're, we're going to get to you. We have your, your email saved. We are going to be scheduling you. Um, we just we want to keep people in the loop we are still looking for all of that regardless if we've already had a correction on or law enforcement we still want you guys to come on and, and, and send us your stories and things but like that but if we get like six emails from patrol cops and we get one email from a firefighter we're going to try and mix that firefighter in exactly. and, and so you'll get prioritized based on how we we're trying to schedule it out we don't like to have too many of one kind of story we you know and, and sometimes it's by necessity sometimes it's not but we, we try to we try to mix it up for you guys so you guys are constantly getting new yeah. stuff Anyway, all right. Well, until our next episode, come home with your shield or on. Right.